Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. This is the Bobbycast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the top 10 best Bobbycast moments of 2023. Let's do the top 5 Bobbycasts of the year. And not just my picks. Because in the last episode... I had Adam Duritz from Counting Crows, one of my favorites. But also, we're factoring in all the episodes and how many times they've been downloaded or streams. So you guys are a part of this as well. If you missed part one, go back. Check it out. So we'll do some clips. Uh, Jake Owen at number five. Episode 381. And it's kind of cool, sometimes weird, sometimes hard when it's a friend that comes in. Because I already know a lot of things. So it makes it weirder for me to ask questions if I already know the answer. But this one... It was fun because not only is he a friend, but it got emotional when he was talking about the highlight of his career and also his sobriety and a health update after going to the hospital for exhaustion. Here he is, Jake Owen at number five from episode 381. And you said, I haven't slept well in a long time. That's what I'd come to find out after going to the hospital. That's my only issue. I literally do not sleep. Anything that's happened since then? And what was that about? That was about me not sleeping, man. I, I just wasn't sleeping. I was losing a lot of weight. Um... I was probably just like getting all, I don't know. It's weird because I'm not really been doing anything any different since then. Sometimes you just need people to tell you you're okay. Really. Is that what they told you? You're okay? Yeah. Everybody was like, <laughs> they were, yeah. They they were like, they made me feel better than I did by just telling me things that I I don't know that I needed. They, they were just telling me honest things. Like I'd convinced myself I was, you know, dying. Like I'm going to die out here on the road. Like I'm out here, you know, doing this all the time and I'm missing little things back home and, um, my family's like been affected by it and I don't want this to be the way that life's supposed to be like, this is what I love. Like, why is it the thing I love? Um, it's like that song by Alan Jackson, you know, everything I love, I want to have to give it up because everything I love is killing me. Uh, that's how I felt. Like I felt like I was living an Alan Jackson song. 
So whenever you find out that something isn't really wrong with you, does that change your perspective? Do you, did you live a different way? Like, was there, was it lighter? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think Erica would tell you that I just, I think if anything, what I, what I found out was, is um, kind of what Caitlin was saying earlier, like, just kind of like relax a little bit and everything's going to be okay. Like, don't, you can convince yourself such negative things when that's all you stress on and harp on. But when you're like, hey, nothing I worry about over the next 15 or 20 minutes, which to personally sometimes to all of us can seem like a lifetime. But over those next, you could spend those next 15 or 20 minutes just doing something different, being finding something else to be happy about. Do you feel like you're a happier person now than five years ago? Than five years ago? Yeah. I hope so. Three years ago? I, 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 yeah. I mean, I hope I'm happier today than I was yesterday. Do you like, feel like you are purposefully happy? I feel like I'm still figuring everything out, man. I don't, I feel like I'm still like, I'm 41, but I still feel like that 22, three-year-old kid that drove here. Like, I know I can do this. I'm excited to do it. Like, can I? You I'm still that guy. Like, you feel more positive. Like, I, I still am. To me than in past years. Yeah. I mean, because, well, thankful, thanks. I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not. I don't intentionally wake up every day and go like, I'm going to be way more positive today, uh, which I probably should. I try to preach that. Um, I think people listen to my music and the type of music I put out would think that like, man, this guy's barefoot and in the sunshine all the time. And he's just like, he's a dude. Like, <laughs> and I am, but I have just like everyone else, you know, I got things that I'm just trying to be better at trying to, I try to learn something each day. So we talk about the masterclass stuff. Like I try to, I looked at Erica this morning and was like, Hey, we like, like we have a lot of friends right now going through like a lot of crazy stuff. And um and that's what even Tyler Hubbard, not to drop his name again, said to me at lunch today. He's like, How's everything with you, man? Everything good? And I'm like, Yeah, it's awesome. Like life is great, man. And I and I say that because just this morning I told Eric, I was like, so many friends going through so much stuff right now that like we're not. And life is good. And that's when you really have to like when life is good is when you really need to be thankful for it. Then when life isn't and you're, it's like when you're sick and you're, you were trying to remember what it felt like to feel good. And so I feel really good right now. And I want to remember what this feels like. And I want that to spread throughout my family as well. And, uh, hopefully telling other people too, man, life is great. It's awesome. That also helps them because nobody wants to hear someone say, Hey man, how's, how's everything? And then you sit there and listen to them just, you know, nobody wants to hear that more front lobe, front lobe all day, baby. Let's go. That's the that's the saying. Stay in that front lobe, man. Trademark that. So right. the, the front because the front lobe does what? Front lobe, from what I've learned, is is where you know your majority of children really live, and until you, they progressively, you know, through experiences and things like that, you tend to live more the way we're wired as humans into a more back lobe brain. Front lobe being more joyful, creative, uh, spontaneous, carefree. All those, which are great qualities. Uh, rear being more protective, um, anxious, the things that we don't really need in our lives. So you can have the choice of where you kind of want to live. You do not have jakeowen.com, but you have jakeowen.net. Yes. What's the deal? What, will they not sell it to you, or are they asking an insurmountable amount of money? I'd rather, I don't know. I don't, never really thought of it that way. I just knew that when I couldn't get the calm, I was like, I'm cool with net. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> I'm about that net. 
Sounds front lobe to me. Yeah, so I was cool with it. I never really overthought it like that. So you asked me, I don't know that I've forever, you know. Now he goes back lobe. Now I'm like, <laughs> now, now I go what, back lobe. Spirals back lobe to the manager. Why do I not have JakeOwen.com? No, I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, there was a story about you in the Tennessean because there was a restaurant, and Kayla and I were having lunch, and we saw a big line coming out of a place where we were eating lunch. And we're like, I wonder what's going on over there. And we found out it was a place that was closing after I don't know how many years. And they were closing because they wanted to close. They wanted to retire. And they were doing these stories about it leading up to it. And there was a story. And you weren't interviewed for the story. It wasn't you putting it out there. But the owner of the story, and I'm going to have you tell it, but, but don't, oh, man, just like literally tell it. I'm, I'm begging you to tell the story as is. Uh, the story was about you helping them out years and years ago. It never came out until she told the story. Can you tell me that story? Yeah, um, and I, I told you this. That's why I was so so flattered by it, really. Uh, and there's a great George Steinbrenner quote that I saw on the wall when I went to Yankee Stadium one time that says, like, uh, you do good things for other people, uh, but if someone else finds out about it, then you did it for the wrong reasons. Um, like, you just, you're supposed to do good things for people because it's the thing to do, not for, for the people to talk about it. And um, so this particular scenario, when I moved to town, which is a great kind of segue off of what we all talked about earlier, uh, I would go to Arnold's on 8th Avenue because it kind of felt like home to me. Like my mom always made like home cooking and I, I grew up that way down home, down south with my, with my grandma, my granddad. My nanny was a good cook, still is. Um, and so I'd go in there and have like rare roast beef and mashed potatoes and gravy and whatever. And I got to know the people that owned Arnold's, which has been there since I think the 50s. Um, and everybody from Dolly Parton to Charlie, uh, you know, John Prine, all kinds of folks going there. Um, and I just loved it. It's like meet and three, meaning you go in there and grab your, your tray and walk down the line and grab the food that you want to grab. And so I would do that. And, uh, Jordan Spieth is calling me. Should I answer this? <laughs> yeah, answer it. He did this to me on an interview one time. Answer it. What's up? What's up, partner? Tell him you're with me. I am a very random. I am in the middle of an interview right now. And okay. I'm with Bobby Bones actually on doing a radio, like a, a podcast. And I said, and my phone was ringing. I was going to send it to voicemail. And then a lot like the last time you were on an interview, I, I guess somebody's like, Jake, oh, it's calling your phone. So uh, I said I had to answer. So are you just excited about our playing possibilities coming up? I'm just really excited that we're finally going to win the Pro-Am version. We're going to go off this year. <laughs> I'm going Are off. you guys playing together? We for are. Sure? Yeah, we are. Yeah, I'm going off. I will, uh, I will, I will buzz, I'll buzz you back. All right. Sounds good. See you. See you, buddy. He's right here. See you, man. Never heard of him. Anyway. That's so cool, man. Like, (laughs) you ever, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Like, I I know that he's even my partner, but like, sometimes I'm like, are we really partners? Are we buddies? You know, that's cool to get a call. He's awesome, dude. I mean, he, I played with him because you were like, hey, you should play with him. And you called Jordan. You're like, hey, play play with Bobby. And I play. Awesome, dude. He's a great kid. Yeah. So you're, you're at this restaurant. At this restaurant, uh, and I meet, you know, Rose Arnold, who's, who runs it, and her sons, um, Khalil, Mons, Franz. She has two daughters. I got to know all of them for years. And uh, one of the times I was in there visiting, Mons was going through, uh, had like some type of a brain tumor, I think it was. Had to have surgery like on his, on his skull to remove this or do some sort of procedure. And they were really worried. She was worried about how they were going to fly with the pressure. And and I don't know, just I have a tour bus, so I wasn't thinking or anything. Like, 
just take my tour bus. I'm not on the road. Take it up there. My driver will pick you guys up tomorrow, take you there, bring you back, whatever you need. Like, just say, and they did. What, and, year, what year was that? I don't know. Guess. 2010, roughly. maybe, I guess. 2010, probably. Um, and they were always so sweet about it. You know, like I go in there, like I always did. And like, there'd be times where they would just be like, hey, we want to you know, take care of your lunch or something. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, they just always treated me like their family. Um, and anyways, it was really flattering to think that as many people they've had come through that restaurant, as many scenarios and the types of folks that have come through there and all the incredible stories I'm sure they have to share for what that restaurant became to people, like a second home, um, a place of comfort. Like to think that when I saw that article that day, um, like it got to me because there are times where you, you wonder if like, uh, when you do good for people, like if they you don't do it, like I said, because, but you do it because you hope that they remember the kind of person you are. And, uh, it just made my day. I was like, dang, like they could have talked about anything over the last 50 years of this restaurant. And she just happened to talk about me doing that for them. Um, and to me, to be able to be remembered for that kind of thing, forget everyone else knowing, cause I never wanted, never cared for anyone else to know, but that it meant enough to her and their family that they remembered me like that. And not like, she didn't say like, this guy was a singer, you know, whatever. Like it was just someone that did something for them and their family. Like that's what I, that's, that's my coolest story about Nashville so far. Like people of what people remember me for. So that was cool, man. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. It's cool. At number four, it's Dan and Shay from episode 414. It's a big one because they shocked everyone on social media with the news that they almost split up. So it was nice to sit down with them and hear their sides of the story. We talked for a full hour. They shared what they did to create their healthier friendship and what they talked about in their conversation that saved the band. And remember, if you want to hear the whole thing, go back and check out episode 414 with Dan and Shay. Here they are, my number four moment. Sometimes when I make a change in my life, it's got to be because it gets to a point that is so drastic that I can realize it yeah. where it's, Oh, I'm not in a good place. I mean, when I went to onsite, I wasn't in a good place. So I, I, it took me to actually hit, we'll call bottom. Sure. You know, my mom would go to rehab. She would hit bottom and then she would go, would you say in you guys' relationship, because you got to hit a bottom to get to, to actually have the desire to get out of it or to get back in it. That's a great point. If you never hit that rock bottom, you might not realize that something's right. wrong or that you need to make a change. And Is I that it for you guys? I absolutely hit rock bottom. I'll, you know, speak on my side of the story and, you know, Shay can speak on his. But <clears throat> that date was December. It was like first week of December of 2021. So this was when we finished the arena tour. You know, you work your whole life to get to a place where you can sell out an arena tour. We did. We put that on sale in October of 2019, you know, when 10,000 Hours with Bieber came out. Put this tour up, sell out MSG. We sold out Staples Center, two nights at Bridgestone, like all these bucket list milestones. We're riding high. It's amazing. And then boom, COVID happens. It's all gone. And it's like, man, what a, that, that'll mess with your head. So we're juggling that for a couple of years. We finally get back out there. We did the tour, shout out to our team and, you know, everybody out on the road, the promoters, you know, and the fans for hanging out to those tickets. Like it, it was a tremendous success given the circumstances. Um, but I think I was chasing a lot of the wrong things, you know, speaking to the bigger houses thing a little bit. 
comparison. We all, we all know that comparison is the thief of all joy. And I think we all get caught up in that, especially when everything is so on display with social media. You know, you can look at stats, you can look at likes, everything is just so right there for you to compare yourself to, to the best of the best of what somebody else is putting out. And I think I was caught up in that in a crazy way on social media. I was, you know, being a content guy because we're too stubborn to have somebody help us with it, which we need to change that at some point. But, you know, we're on on the biggest tour of our lives and I'm like, well, crap, you know, we sold out last night. Let me make this video of us doing, you know, we're in Tulsa at the BOK Center and I'm like, we got to get this content of us like jumping in the crowds here. And that stuff's all cool, but it was like all to like let the industry know that we're out here doing well. And I was chasing that too much and not enjoying the moment. I was like maybe looking forward too much to what was next. And I just really spiraled. I it, it made me resent music because I wasn't doing anything that was related to music. It was like all in the name of trying to get content. And it was like I was not appreciating the fact that there were fans there singing the words back to us. And that wasn't appreciating the fact that I was getting to sing with my best friend or play with our band who we grew up with. Like all these incredible, incredible moments passed me by. And December, you know, came around 2021, we finished the tour in Boston and I got off stage more like defeated than I had ever been. And you know how it is. It's like, it's really hard to be in this position and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about it, but I think that's why a lot, there's a lot of mental health issues and depression in our industry, because if you're really struggling with some, something to the, to the public, you feel this responsibility to be a superhero. You feel this responsibility to be unbreakable, you know, like on stage, you have to be like, this is the best night of my life. When in, in deep down, you could be like, I'm really hurting right now, you know? And this was before we knew to talk to each other, to to be open about it with our fans. You know, this is a whole new chapter in an amazing era, but that moment I got off stage and I was like, I'm done. I don't know if I could ever do this again. And I didn't really say that to anyone. I think Abby kind of knew it, but she is so patient, so incredible, so encouraging with me to kind of work through these issues you know, work on myself. And I came home from that and I like literally laid on the couch, you know, I'm always going, always doing something just, just like you, man, always on the move, always grinding. And that was like the first time in a long time that I just kind of laid there for like two weeks to process everything. I was like, I might be done. I might retire, whatever, move back to my hometown, figure it out. But like I've, I'm burnout. It was like the most, most extreme burnout I had ever felt. And I, I felt like I needed to get myself right first before I made any progress with Shay and our relationship, whether we were going to keep the band together or whatever. It was like, I needed to get myself right on a personal level. I need to fall back in love with music. And I, you know, after doing a lot of soul searching, I realized that previous year I'd written four songs total. Two of them were Christmas songs. Two of them were for another band. And that is the thing that brings me the most happiness and fulfillment is creating, being in the studio, making music. And I wasn't making any music. And I was like, maybe... I start there. So I went out on this little trip for, there's a band called the band Camino, good buddies of ours, killing it right now. They did a little writing retreat for their album out in Colorado. I was like, you know what? I'll head out there with the boys. It's no pressure, you know, like not writing for Dan and Shay thing where we're saying like, okay, we've had these kind of hits. We need this thing. It's like just a little bit more free form. And if I don't get a single song out there, I'll get to go skiing. Like, it'll be fun. So I did wrote a couple songs and I was like, this is fun. Like there's no pressure. We're not writing for a specific, you know, Dan and Shay thing, like just making music for the sake of making music. And I came home, did the same thing with a couple other buddies. I was like, just trying to do it a couple days a week. And I was like feeling so elated. I was so happy. Once, you know, that went on for a couple months and I just got to this amazing, amazing place. And I was like, you know what? 
I got to get myself right with Shay. We were about to go out on tour with Chesney, which is stadiums, bucket list tour. I mean, that's like for a support slot, that's the pinnacle of it. And we had that booked. And I came to this place. I was like, I got right with myself. I owe it to myself. I owe it to Shay. And I owe it to Dan and Shay, the entity, to figure this out. Whether we end this ban and we ride off into the sunset, we should go enjoy playing in these football stadiums. Or this could be a launching off point for the next chapter. And I was like, I got to hit Shay. We got to have this conversation tonight. So I called Shay and I was like, did you know that's why I was calling you? Like, did you? No, I mean, and I hadn't talked to him, you know? And yeah, so this was right. a, this, it was kind of a conversation I had kind of knew was kind of, I knew he, you know, kind of how he felt of like, I knew he was burnt out. I didn't know the extent of what was going on. Uh, but he texted me and was like, Hey man, you want to come over tonight? And I was like, okay, I, he wants to talk about something. I thought it was like, this is going to be kind of it. Honestly, it might, in my heart of hearts, I was like, I think that this might be the end of our band. Uh, and I was like, yeah, man, when, you know, when do you want to do this? You know? And he was like, uh, I can come over there right now. And I was like, oh, okay. He wants to talk like right now. <laughs> and then I was like, I mean, talk about a pa- full blown panic, you know, cause it, all this stuff started coming up and I was like, oh no, like I was not prepared. This was like a normal Sunday night or something. And I'm like, I'm going to, I told my wife, I was like, I'm, I'm going to, to meet with Dan and I, and we didn't really talk about it. We both kind of looked at each other like, I think I'm going to go end my band with my best friend that I haven't been close with in several years. It was just kind of this whole understood like, this we'll deal with this one. We'll deal with the wreckage when I get back, you know? And I just remember driving over there, just like sweaty palms being like, dude, this is this is heavy, you know? And I was like, this is getting me emotional. Right? This is yeah. to teach you how to, um, this is just my Thank allergies. you for giving yeah. me an example. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Thank you. Uh, but I was like, man, this is like the last 10 years of my life is about to, end you know and this is about we're about to you know whatever and i get there and it was just like this you know what's up dude you know and i remember we sat there and dan just like starts to apologize for like the last 10 years that prompted me to apologize for stuff and you know that's the long and short of it we sat there until i think i got over there at like maybe i don't know 7 30 after i put the kids to bed i went over there we stayed up and talked till like three in the morning and just hashed through all of these things and a lot of that was like, all right, we need to really appreciate like what we've gotten to do, whether we continue to do this band. It wasn't like we were dancing around the fact that we both were kind of feeling like we don't know if we're going to do this anymore. Um, but it was like, man, let's let's ride off into the sunset. Either way, let's Dan and Shay is always going to be was something that Dan said. He was like, we're always going to be a tattoo on somebody's arm, always going to be a first dance song. And I was like, that's great. And I remember like because this was kind of after we had had our like really heavy talk, you know, and, and we had kind of gotten the, the tears out and all that kind of stuff. And I, he, I remember like watching him like grab his phone and type in that title, you know, and I was like, that's a great title. And, uh, and it was just, a, it was just an incredible night, man. It's like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are, are scared to, to say, you know, like, oh yeah, we got together and then we cried. Like just a, a couple of friends. That's, that's pretty lame. Like no one would want to say that out loud, but like, it was, man. A lot of tears were, were shed and a lot of stuff was really figured out. And it wasn't like we figured out all of our problems, but acknowledging that it mattered enough to both of us that we would try. And it was just after that, it was our plan of action was to, all right, let's hang out three times a week. Let's get together and let's have no agenda. So you focus let's on just the fundamentals out. of the relationship more than exactly. what the relationship could do. Exactly. It was let's make sure we do the relationship. Let's be Let's be friends again. Because I feel like that's something that people don't see from the outside. It'd be very easy to be like, yeah, we're in a band. 
and I feel like every duo in history, especially in country music, I mean, we've had so much devastation, you know, that is wreckage that has been left through different duos, friends of ours that have, that have very publicly happened. And what you don't see is like the behind the scenes stuff that is just like their friendship is, if that gets wrecked, it's just a matter of time. That's a ticking time bomb of, you know, your, of your band separating because you're just going in different directions. And even though Dan and I are, are such different people at the core, like on every level, that's the reason that it works is because we have extreme respect for one another. And even when you're, when your lives are kind of going like this, it's so important to kind of realign yourselves. And even though like, you know, I've got three kids at this point, Dan's got dogs, we've got our families, like we have our own responsibilities, but acknowledging like, Hey man, I respect the hell out of you for what you're doing. And I, no matter if I believe the same thing that you believe or not, I respect what you believe. And we both have this band in common and we have our fans in common. And I think the world needs to, it needs to view that too. You know, it's like we have so much, you know, separation in our country and all these things. And it's like, no matter, I feel like when I was growing up, that was kind of the message. Like, all right, you believe this and I believe this. We're going to scream at each other and then we're going to go grab a beer, you know? And I feel like that's kind of been lost on the world a little bit of the the value of a good fight. You know, that's the next video that's coming out. Uh, it's the follow-up to The Drive. It's called The Fight. It's going to be really good. Uh, but I feel like it was, you know, we had to learn to respect each other enough to have those hard conversations when we knew that if things are if I have a problem now, like it's even happened in the, like the last, you know, six months or so where we're like, okay, this is, I, I think we, th- I, this is how it should be. No, I think this is how it should be. We talk it out and it's like, awesome. This way is clearly better because we both care. We want the same thing. And we learned how to like focus that stuff and really put a focus on communication, just like in any marriage would be. If you just don't talk about something, that's how us guys most times like think like, it's, it's I fixed our, it. It's our issue too. Yeah, where I, I don't, I don't say anything about it. Yeah. I let it live and then I just keep pushing it down. And, but my wife knows she has to go and get it because I will not. Yeah. So and, exactly and it, doesn't, how it I, doesn't put her in a great place. And I don't like that. I'm like that a lot of times, but I'm, I'm and also I feel like I can fix it in my head myself. Sure. Totally. And just like, I'm going to go and fix it. I'm not even going to tell you the process, but I'm going to come back and it's going to be fixed. Yeah. Yep. And that gets me in trouble. But it's, you're right. It's a relationship. You guys, marriage, also your marriages to your wives. Like one-on-one's tough regardless of the situation. The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision, 
from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. And we're back on the Bobbycast. I always enjoy talking to this guy. Great artist, great songwriter, cool husband, cool dad. At number three, it's Thomas Rhett from episode 411. Now, it was basically an hour-long therapy session, not just for him, but for both of us. We talked about how he's approaching music, and it shocked me that he hadn't been on social media in months, something I couldn't do. I mean, I've been on social media since I started doing this. Um, Here's Thomas, I mean, reading this paragraph i've already been on social media here's thomas red at number three has your thoughts and philosophy on how much music and how often to release music changed over the last three years yeah yes but i feel like i'm not following the trend in the way that i should what's the (laughs) trend and how do you follow it differently than the trend um man i've put a record out every other year since i was 21 years old you know and I think like the last couple of records, um, as proud of them as I am, I feel like there, there have been moments where it's been like, we just need to keep writing because we got to keep keeping up. And then you put a record out and there might've been like a song that did a thing, but the rest of the record like wasn't really ready. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I've been working on a new record for the last six months and I don't have a date yet. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think for a lot of people on the team, it's kind of nerve wracking because I've always just had something in the can to be able to come with if we needed to. But dude, I'm just like for the first time in my life, I'm just watching so much music come out all the time. And it's so like, I, I can barely get to the, through the whole new music Friday country, much less. Not new even music the Friday. whole new music Friday, right? Like, whole, yeah, right. New music Friday right. country. You know what I mean? Like I get maybe through the first 10 of them and then I'm like, man, I, I don't even, I don't even know what's good. You know what I mean? Until the world kind of tells me what is good. I'm not even sure that I know what, what good is anymore. And so I've had to take a big step back from even the music I've been writing. Like I haven't listened to 
and this is rare for me, but like when I'm about to start making records, man, I'm, I'm listening to my demos daily, like in the car, in the gym, on the lake with my kids. Um, and I haven't listened to a song of mine in two months because I have to just get so far away from it that when I come back to it for the first real time, I want to be blown away by it rather than like, gosh, I think this is the next record, but I'm sort of like already sick of it and it's coming out in three months. You know what I'm saying? I would assume that that's already the case with most people, but the, like how you're talking about and the way that you've done it, I could see where that would be amplified. Yeah. If you're not putting it out like you'd probably like to do, like you said, every week it's something else, it's something yeah. else, that you could quickly be tired of where that season that you're in right then yeah. and be on to something else. But you've already started this project and you're still... Well, you created all this in that season. You can't just let it go. Yeah. And it would have been easy just to put it out then. For sure. So I can see where that is a creative dilemma. But I think I'm still, I'm still a little bit of the old school mindset of like, if you have a good body of work, at least give it a real chance and, and give it a real plan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm not one of those artists that can just like chunk songs out and hope that they become famous on TikTok. Like, I just don't know that I'm one of those artists that that can happen to. Maybe I could have like a viral song, but like that's not how I want to release music. Is it because like, you don't know if you're – because I don't agree with what you're saying about you. I think you don't think you should do it, but I think you're as good as anybody else putting music on TikTok. But but are you – because the nature of that is you're going to have to put a bunch of stuff that doesn't work. For sure. And so is that part of it too where you don't want to put a bunch of stuff that – you know, just a numbers game. If you yeah. put out five things, yeah. three and a half or four of them is not going to work. For sure. It's weird, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer. Hang tight. The Bobbycast will be right back. And we're back on The Bobbycast. TikTok's cool to me again for music because it's really what I use it for now. I've used TikTok for a lot of different things through Again, I'll use the word seasons where it's like funny stuff and then it's like yeah. a lot of golf videos. Yeah. And um, But now I watch and find a lot of great music that I listen to personally. For example, so there's one girl, uh, woman, her name is Jackie Vinson. Yeah. She's from Austin and she's a blues player and she's so good. And it's rare. I'm so jaded. You're jaded too in the way of we just get to be around great people. It's a beautiful jadedness. Sure. We see so much greatness all the time. Yeah. You really got to be different to stand out. To stand out. And I like saw her and I was like, oh my God. Like rarely do I hear or see anything where you're just like, yeah, it just feels different. For sure. And so I, so I started following her and the cool thing about algorithm, well, the bad thing is they know everything you're doing and they monitor you and big right. brothers watching and china's god us all that stuff doesn't matter but the good thing is they like know what kind of music you like yeah um last night i'm on and there used to be a group called carmen and it was two people uh, mike do you remember carmen it was the guy and the girl yeah, they rap. okay so he was they were a singer and rapper and it was like the 2000s and i saw this girl and her name was like queen something and she's speed rapping like bust yeah. like buster rhymes right and i'm like i think that's the woman from Carmen. So I went into it and it was her. Yeah. But without TikTok and me just flipping through and finding this For stuff, sure. I just don't know if I wouldn't be completely bored with music again at this point. Yeah. Because being so jaded by it. Yeah. For what, sure. What, if you were to get on your TikTok, what, what do you see on yours because of what you're looking at? Can I be very honest with you? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather you not lie unless <laughs> it's a really good lie. I haven't been on social media since January. Oh, that's great. That's even weirder and better than what you would have said. Yeah. Why? Because uh, I'd rather go down that road. Yeah. Um, it was getting to a point where 
I mean, it sounds super cliche to say it, but it was just taking up so much of my time. You know what I mean? And I was finding so much of my worth in a post. And like, especially since all the algorithm stuff changed, you started to get, you started to be like, man, like I used to post videos and they'd get like a million views, no doubt. And then you start to see this thing of like, okay, my, my views are starting to go down. Does that mean that I am starting to suck more? You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's what my brain would tell me. That's what I think. That's very. I think it's probably everybody for a creative. To, I think sure. that is absolutely fair. And so you know, then you would like put songs out, and then some people would think they were really cool, and then some people would just hate on them. And then you start to see all the people in our genre, the the bloggers, just be like, "This is terrible. This is trash." Thomas Rhett music. This is not what he's best at. All these kind of things. And this, so then you start making music out of fear. You start my my one of my producers named Julian said, "You can't." work out of hit desperation you have to work out of hit inspiration and i think for a while there dude i was working out of hit desperation because i was so terrified of what this genre would think about what i thought was cool that it got to a point where i just wanted to write what i think they think would be cool and there's a lot of predicting going on a lot of predicting of being like well maybe if i write songs that sort of feel like a luke combs thing then these people will kind of think I'm like, okay, again, you know what I'm saying? And maybe if I can do some of this stuff that like Morgan is doing, then maybe this group will think that I, maybe I can fit into that group, but I didn't like get here by ever fitting into a group. You actually did the opposite. I did the complete opposite. And so I started to really not be myself anymore. Just kind of lame to write with, honestly, just vanilla straight down the middle stuff. Okay. What was the bottom for you that, made you go i gotta get up i have to because something had to happen for you to go i gotta make a change in my life yeah dude it was it was it was around christmas time last year and like i i kind of go into weird places when i'm off the road because um this feels like a therapy are all your podcasts like therapy sessions like hey this? buddy i am who i am <laughs> okay i go to a lot of therapy myself yeah, so same, you know maybe same but when i'm off the road is uh is a really challenging time for me because when you're on the road you're getting three straight nights of like dopamine celebration hits. Yes. Love. However you're. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you come home and I love my children and I love my wife. It is the complete opposite. It's like retractable dopamine. If that makes any sense. I mean, I will leave a stage being told I'm the funniest person in the whole world by a couple thousand people. Right. Ha, ha, ha. And then my wife's like, you did not take out the trash. And she loves me more than they ever will. For sure. But you're right. Yeah. The dopamine, it is not. And you're, you just feel it, it's a different kind of loneliness. No doubt. Yeah. So, you know, I was off the road, uh, been off the road for like two or three months and, um, just constantly in my freaking phone. You know what I mean? Like my kids are like literally asking me questions upon questions. I'm literally just, I can't, I'm not even hearing them cause I'm just here. And so, yeah, it was like January 1st. It was like one of my like new year's, you know, resolution type things that I thought would last for like two weeks. Cause I've never really fully quit social media. Um, and then, yeah, January, man, I haven't, I haven't even seen an app since January. Um, so I hired a team. I mean, everything that we post is from me. It's just that I'm not physically on scrolling, looking at the comments, doing the stuff. Well, I got so. a message from you the other day. I sent you a bunch of Apple gift cards because you said I needed to send you that. <laughs> oh, so my gosh. You were like, I need Apple gift cards and Bitcoin. So I sent oh, you Oh, good. That. So you sent them to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. So Thank you should that. have that. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that wasn't you? <laughs> that was not oh, me. Oh, son of a gun. I got scammed I again. Golly. Yeah. Uh, good self-awareness. I think we all know. Yeah. I have a friend. You, you know him too. He's one of my best friends. 
I won't say his name here, but he locks his apps up. He has a, it's not Dirks, but Dirks also does this, but he, yeah. he, he goes to a uh, flip phone mm-hmm. at different times during the month when he's starting to feel a yeah. little anxious. And then when he's not, and he's on his smartphone, there is an app Oh, I don't care. Hey, get on it. It's, I, don't it's like know, I don't even know how to turn it's this Twitter, thing Twitter. down. Yeah. Um, it's a Twitter's baby monitor you. notification. Don't forget <laughs> me. Um, he has an app that locks all of his social media up at like 5 p.m. Yeah. And you can't get off. You can't get on it unless you have the code. The only person that has his code is his manager. Gotcha. And so he See, has I would like self- delete it off my phone every day. And then that. just re-download it. I would do that and then just but then get on the internet on my computer. Yeah. And then do like the browser version. I'd be like, well, I'm kind of, um, I, you know, I have a weird relationship with social media. Yeah. But I think that self-awareness is like, that's extremely valuable that you found that. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever go back? Probably. At some point in time. And I've quit, I've quit a couple things this year that, I mean, I quit nicotine this year, which I have, I love nicotine so much. Never had it. What's good about it? Get me started. Like, sell me on it. I don't know. I mean, I, I started dipping when I was like, you know, 18 years old, Grizzly Wintergreen. And then when I turned like 28, I started using this stuff called Zen. Is that in the packs? Or- yeah. It's like, it's like just nicotine and mint. And like, it kind of just became, I'm trying to quit things that are crutches for me. You know what I'm saying? Like social media was a crutch. It was the place where I went, where I needed validation. But then it was the place that I hated when it didn't validate me. You know what I'm saying? Polar. And so nicotine was kind of like that, that crutch for me. It was just like when I felt nervous, nicotine. When I felt weird, nicotine. When I felt happy, nicotine. It was like always just a thing. And so, I mean, I haven't been off of it that long, but it's been been three weeks, which is the longest I've ever gone. So, I think I'm going to start after that. In, the, in the year of quitting nervous. things, that's, that's a long time. Hang tight. The Bobbycast will be right back. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, 
That's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. At number two, it's one of country music's most powerful female voices, Martina McBride. I had to spend a lot of time with Martina, so it was super cool she came by. She stopped by to talk about her career, which is over 30 years long, being inducted into the Grand Ole Opry back in the 90s, and, you know, the genius way she landed a record deal. Big fan. Who's not? From episode 388, here's Martina McBride at number two. 1993, you get inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. You mentioned Loretta Lynn earlier. She's the one who does it. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about that night? It was part of a television special. It was like an anniversary of the Opry. And um, Loretta's so funny. She came she came to do the rehearsal, and they gave, you, they gave me a plaque. And she said, well, during rehearsal, she said, is this, is this what I'm supposed to give you? This is what you get for joining the Opry? And I said, yeah, I guess so. And so she said... She kind of laughed, and during the ceremony, she said, "Welcome to the Opry, honey. This is what you get." <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool that it was her, and she's the one. Like, just first of all, anything with her, yeah. But she's the one inducting you into the greatest country music space right. in the history of the world, mm-hmm. the Grand Ole Opry. Mm-hmm. Like, what a special memory! Did you know that she was going to be inducting you before, like rehearsals? With it, because sometimes you know they. The invite is a surprise. Was that a surprise to you? Yeah, but they didn't do it like they did. They back didn't just then. show up and surprise they, you at a performance. I went something. to lunch with the head of the Opry, and he asked me at lunch, and and the, and then I got to I got to invite I got to ask who I wanted to induct me. So got I it. chose. So Loretta. you chose Loretta. Mm-hmm. Okay, man, being told at lunch by someone who an executive is like being proposed to on the phone. <laughs> so it's like I mean, you're still getting married, and that's awesome, but. Yeah. You didn't even get on a knee. Yeah, I don't think they did it like that back then. Now I love how they do it now, where they I got to be that person for Charlie Daniels. I got to ask him to join the Opry. And he didn't know you were there. You guys kept it completely secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's was, that's the surprised. greatest. Those videos where people are surprised just through the I would say the history, because you're right, they didn't do it like that twenty five years ago. Yeah. I think like twenty years. Yeah. They started doing it a little bit. But those videos where people get surprised and they're awesome. like, Oh my god, they're awesome. 
Only second to whenever somebody from the military comes home and surprises oh, their kids. I love those videos. Man, those are good too. Yeah. What I don't like when they show the videos of the dogs with one eye and Sarah McLaughlin sings. Those videos I don't like, <laughs> but I like what they're doing. I just don't like those videos. Yeah. Like, you know, what comes to me. Um, you sign a record deal, 91. How fast until you actually take off and have a hit? From the moment you signed until you're on the radio and you got a number one song. Yeah, it was a second record. I, my, I didn't have a number one song to the third record. Wild Angels was my first number one. It actually just happened the other day. I think it was in 1996. So it took six, five or six years to really get to that place. But, I, but before Wild Angels, I had Independence Day. And I had oh, my first three. Independence Day wasn't a number one song. No, it was number 10. Maybe. Again, I'm just the consumer here. The song that I would know you for the most. Yeah. My, it's, w- wasn't even a number one song. Right. That's a whole story. Like, you know, we had a lot of resistance at radio with that song. Because? The subject matter. And I think it was really because she, she burned the house down. <laughs> you know, it was like she, was take, she took action that just didn't set very well with a lot of radio, uh, radio people. Bizarre. <laughs> and so... It's funny because I was so passionate about that song. Like it literally changed my life, not career, only career-wise, but just my awareness and my, you know, wanting to, to try to help some way and all the letters that I got and the people that I talked to and heard their stories. And it, it, it was so big it, for me. And so my pro bono guy, once again, Mike Wilson came to me and he said, I think we're losing the song. I don't think that we're, it's going to um, make it. And I was like, what? How is this possible? And, and he goes, well, there's, there's a, you know, maybe 20 stations that won't, won't refuse to play it. And I said, can I talk to them? Can you give me their numbers? And I want to have a conversation. And he, he was like, uh, <laughs> sure, I guess. Like, that's not usually done, but I guess so. And so I got on the phone with these guys and I was just like, talk to me. Like, tell me, what is it? And some of them would say, we just don't think it's appropriate that it's on our station. And I said, and we, oddly enough, this is right... Independence Day came out maybe seven weeks before Nicole Brown Simpson was murdered. So all of a sudden it was on, that story was everywhere. And so I was, I said, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about domestic violence every every day, several times a day on your newscast, right? Yet you don't feel like this song can can be listened to or whatever. And I, I turned a couple, few of them around. There were 10 stations that never did play it, but, but. I, I was able to, they, they would give it a chance, you know? One guy said to me, that video, like if I'm sitting with my daughter and that video comes on, then I have to talk to her and explain things. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Call being the dad. Like, yeah. That's maybe not a bad <laughs> idea. So it was interesting. It's just a different time, you know? Is it odd when people just think that song is about 4th of July? Yeah. Like on 4th of July, you hear the song and you're uh, like, yeah. no, it's not the same thing, guys. We're not talking about yeah. literal Independence Day of America. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll be like, it's your July 4th playlist. And, oh, all the t- every year. Yeah. Yeah. And Independence Day comes on. And I'm like, I, think, I think that's what you were talking about earlier, how sometimes you can just sing a song for years and not really ever, you kind of just sing the chorus and you're distracted during the verses yeah. or whatever. Because I think a lot of people don't know what that song is about still, but then so many people do. And that's, you know, that's the song that I've heard and thought to myself, somebody needs to hear this song. This is going to be the song for somebody. Yeah. And, you know, then I get letters, people saying, that's what I got in the car and I heard that song on the radio. And that's, I decided I'm out of here. I've had enough. Right. So it's like, that's the power. That's not me. That's the power of music and the power of a song. Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. And we're back. 
on the Bobbycast. Three questions for you. When you finally win for female vocalist, because you were up a couple times mm-hmm. in like the late 90s, but in like maybe 2003 or so, I think you won the first time. Three in a row, by the way. It was like bam, bam, bam. Yeah, it was ni- 1999. Is that you won mm-hmm. in 99? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first time you win and you had always been able to envision yourself winning, did you have that moment while it was happening where you're like, I've always, like, it, while it was happening, like, I always could see this, and now it's actually happening. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It was, like, uh, not an out-of-body experience, but, like, it's so, okay, I want to say this and not have it come off as an, in a conceited way, because I'm not, but, and it's not where it's coming from, but, like, well, like, it goes back to what I was saying before. You kind of have to believe it. You kind of have to believe it. Otherwise, all of the rejection and the and the being away from home, the traveling and the recording and all of the stuff that you do is, you know, you have to believe that it's going to pay off in that moment as as in that moment. So, you know, for, uh, there was a, I don't know, maybe it might have been even four or five years we were nominated and didn't win. And and you you just go, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. You So you still believed it was going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you got that close and didn't. Yeah. Because it was too, uh, maybe premature. Like, I feel like we, uh, one thing I'm really, that was a good feeling for me was when we finally won, I felt like we'd been around long enough to kind of deserve it in a way. And the, my team, you know, everybody that worked so hard, they, it was rewarding. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm so glad it didn't happen too fast. I'm so glad I feel like I'm kind of in this industry and that people really wanted me to win maybe. So, but yeah, there's that moment where you go, well, this is it. Mm. You know, the first times that you didn't win, are you like listening for and it is, oh, is it deflating or is it, do you really feel anytime I ever lose, I'm not honored to be there. Right. I'm like, this sucked. Yeah. Or are you honored just to be there? And you're like, oh, I'll get them next time. Like what? Like, yeah. I was kind of like that. I was really, cause I would look at the category and the other females in the category and I was just like, wow, wow. Like it's so amazing that I'm even in the same, like these people even know, I remember when I walked past Alan Jackson one time at an award show, probably the first CMA awards that I went to and he's in the front row and I walked by him and kind of, you know, I was, I'm not, I'm kind of an introvert, really, honestly, extroverted introvert. Mm, Same. So I'm not the kind of, I'm always the kind of person that doesn't want to go up to somebody and introduce myself. I don't want to bother them. You know what I mean? But I walked past him and I just kind of looked at him and thought to myself, oh my God, that's Alan Jackson. And he said, I love your stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, Alan Jackson knows who I am and has heard my music. What in the world? You know, so it's, it's, it was like that. I don't think you came off conceited at all. And I'm a big believer in what I would call a healthy arrogance because if I don't have it, if I don't believe in me so much, nobody else is going to. Yeah. Like I have to because at times yeah. other people are going to go, yep or nope or I don't know, prove it. But if I don't believe in me and I don't believe what I'm putting out is worth people buying a ticket if I'm doing a comedy show mm-hmm. or spending 20 minutes with me in the morning or reading a book, if I don't believe it, and I don't believe it's great. Nobody else will. Yeah, that's true. So I have to be that. And mm-hmm. I have no problem. It's just for me at times, I think I get so insecure that that healthy arrogance tends to come off the other way because I'm so insecure mm-hmm. that it's like, well, I got to prove to everybody that I don't take any crap and let's let's go. That's my problem. When things started to really pop for me, I had to, there were a couple times where I had to be like, whoa, you got to check yourself. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I have that awareness. I was going to say, you're aware of Luckily. it. Luckily. Yeah. Did, when it, did you ever have to have that talk with you? That's a weird question to ask where you're like, oh, it's hitting now. Like, let's make sure we make these some wise decisions. Not because of an arrogance thing or insecurity, really. But, you know, I just I took me a really long time to realize that I had some power. Like, you know, nobody tells you that. 
when you start out, they're like, there's all kinds of people that want you to do what they think you should do. And they're, I mean, everybody from video directors to art directors to producers to everybody, executives. And it took, I think it was my husband actually that said, you know, you, they're kind of working mm-hmm. for you in a way. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So then you kind of, you can kind of assert your power over your creativity and your own persona and over how yourself. people see you over yourself. Yeah. And that that can get pretty heady. So sometimes I feel like, especially, I don't, you know, as a woman, I kind of had to check that a little bit just to not alienate everyone. Hang tight. The Bobby Cast will be right back. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So, stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833.
And we're back on the Bobbycast. And we've made it all the way to number one as far as the number one Bobbycast of 2023. This one is at number one because, one, it did really well, but it also just surprised me. Because I can tell you, I, didn't, I had no relationship at all with Chase Rice. You know, he could beat me up. Um, I thought he might. All those factors. And so I was like, oh, well, let's see where this goes. But it's from episode 387. Again, super downloaded. A lot of feedback because we really got into some hard topics that I think a lot of people can relate to. And I was very surprised with, with his generosity on, on talking about some of this stuff. Uh, he talked about losing his dad, dealing with grief and depression at the height of his career, and why he's purposely choosing to be lonely right now. This is a side of Chase Rice I'd never seen before. I really liked it. You guys really liked it. So here he is, Chase Rice at number one. A credit to your dad, and I'm sure you, you feel this way and you love him, but it is, you're right, it is so rare for someone to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, and when you talk about him, you're like, he was there. Yeah. I mean, that alone is pure love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just feels like in relationships, no matter what it is, if it's parent, brother, sister, best friend, work, like, everybody's going to do things and mess up and do great. It's just the, yeah. the value of, mm-hmm. of two humans working together. And, yeah. but man, consistency, mm-hmm. that's as much love as you could possibly get. Like, yeah. I, I'm, that, that's, he says, just sound like the greatest dude. Yeah, he was there. That's, that's the number one. But it wasn't like he was just there and absent. He was there and yeah. he, he gave you all the attention. Um, and then, like, through high school and stuff, mi- didn't miss any of the games. Do you, um, do you he, still miss him? Oh, yeah. All the time. When did, because my mom died. Mm. 10, maybe 13 or so years ago, my grandmother raised me, adopted me for a while too. And I have moments in waves where I'll like see something. It doesn't have to be, but it just reminds me. And it's like, it's like I get kicked in the like side. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I really miss. Yeah. What is it for you? Sometimes I was reading a book this morning and it was talking about dreams. It was this psychiatrist book. Um, it was talking about the dreams this one, one of her patients had. And that's the best way I can explain, like, when it does kick you on the side, you're just like, damn, it comes out of nowhere, too. Where all of a sudden you're back, you remember the phone call. I remember the phone call from my mom, Chase. She said my name. It was real shaky. And I shut the fridge. Like, I remember details. Shut the freezer. And uh, she, I said, oh, God. My first thought when she said my name and it was shaky was, oh, God, what did she find out that I've done? Like, that's a guilty conscience right there. Um and then she said, Chase, come home. Dad died. And I'm just like, whoa, what? Like, the only way I know how to explain it is the worst dream you ever had in your life where it's, it's that nightmare where you wake up and you're like, oh, what, what was that real? Okay, no, that wasn't real. Thank God that wasn't real. Like, that, that would end your life if that was real. It would end life as you know it anyway. But it's that and it's real. And then it doesn't stop. And for the next few hours, you're still processing what just happened? And I was driving home. Like, where you drive from Nashville? Chapel back Hill. To- okay. I lived in Chapel. I was in college, so I was driving from Chapel Hill to Asheville. Got it. First phone call I made was my ex girlfriend, who was like my high school girlfriend, so she knew him really well. Called her, told her. I don't remember how that conversation went. Um, my brother Casey and I talked three times on the drive home, and it was more just like, "What's going on?" Because I didn't ask how he died. He had a heart attack, but I didn't know that in my mind. He fell off the roof or something. I don't, working on the house so that whole drive was just like it, it take uh, sometimes like this morning it didn't happen but sometimes it'll hit you like you'll be back in that place where your mom calls you and it hits you like a ton of bricks and your life just stops and you're back in that moment it's uh, even if it's first split second but you're just back there and it's just it's a shit feeling um but i have done a lot of work um talking to people therapy 
stuff. Like I went to rehab twice, and the first time I went, I was like, I I didn't talk about anything that I thought I was gonna. You go back into all this stuff, mm-hmm. which is awesome. You now looking back, I'm like, okay, that's so necessary. But I dealt with the loss of him a lot, but it's still never. It's never gonna go away. And you're right. First, you're right. It's not gone away at all for me, it, especially the waves. Like it, it's not as constant, but yeah. the waves are equally as powerful, yeah. right? When they do come in. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I look at it as a blessing too that I get to be sad, which is a twisted-ish way. But my grandmother was so valuable. Yeah. I had no consistency at all. You know, my dad left when I was five or six. My mom was an addict her whole life. Died in the forties. My grandma adopted me and was there. And the fact that I'm so sad and miss her so much, like I feel very lucky that I get to be sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she was that awesome. Yeah, that I'm lucky that, that I'm sad because yeah. I could not be sad, and I would have had no consistency and no love. That's a crazy, awesome way to look at it. I it's I think it's survival for me. Honestly, I do believe it, but it's weird even to say out loud where it's like I feel blessed to be sad because yeah. that was the one person for me that was she was seventy, but she was right there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I hear the stories about your dad, I'm jealous. Yeah. But I'm also super grateful that you had that. This crossed my mind for sure. Like, would you rather have, and I told people all the time back then, I'll still say it, like, I got more out of 22 years than most people get from their dad in a lifetime. And I've wondered, like, what's harder? What happened with me or never knowing him at all? And I'll take what happened with me all day. Ten times out of ten. Absolutely. Yeah. Hang tight. The Bobby Cast will be right back. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. Uh, the back of your record is your dog. Yeah. Also very meaningful to you. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. Man. So <laughs> I haven't seen him like a week this morning. We oh, you saw him today? We had a morning, yeah. So tell me about him. So he's, um, he's a black lab. His name's Jack. Um, I, I, wanted, I always wanted a dog, but I wanted him for, uh, for, like, I always wanted to go bird hunting with a dog, with my own dog. Um. So that's what I've got him for, and he goes to training back and forth. Does he point hard? He's not a pointer. He's a retriever, though. Got it. He's so, like, du- like you take him duck hunting? Yeah. And he goes against it, brings and it back this quick? This morning, we were, we were on a walk, and I was throwing the thing. He was, he'll go till he drops. But I got him because of the song Bench Seat, um, which is on my record, which is a song about my buddy almost shooting himself. You wrote that one by yourself from my mind. Is that right? Yeah. Got it. And I wrote it in my breakfast room. And it was a third song that I wrote by myself on the record. But I'm writing this song, and I'm, in my mind, I've got a video going through. Like, I don't know why. The whole video is in my head while I'm writing. It actually helped me write the song. And uh, it's about my buddy who put a gun to his head and didn't pull the trigger twice. Thought he was a coward for not being able to do it. It's like, damn. No, that, that's when you're in a bad place, when you can't even see. Like, you did the right thing, man. Um, and he didn't because his dog came up, put his head on his lap. Mm, he felt love he right felt- then. Yeah, it was. It, well, he knew he'd have to leave the dog. Like, who's going to take care yeah. of him? He might even put blood on the dog. Like, he would have made that's, a mess. And that's love from him to the dog, worrying about the dog. Yeah. And love. Wow. And he knew, this dog is pretty awesome. Uh, talking about my buddy's dog. Um, but he knew what the dog was thinking. Like, don't do this. And I think the dog knew there was a problem. Obviously, maybe not cognitive thought like we have, but he knew there was something wrong. And so he came into my house and got help, you know, just third second or third night i go up and flip the light on i'm like which is funny because going back to my dad my dad caught me on the phone talking to a girl um saying a bunch of shit you just don't say to girls and then at the end of the conversation i said i love you like i I didn't i was clueless you're middle school you don't know Uh, middle school and he came up this is 
crazy. I, I don't know if I've ever pieced this together, but he came up, flipped the light on, and sat down, and I knew I was busted. It's like, oh, no. He was on the phone the whole time. Fast forward to my buddy. It was like I had this thing where like I knew he was in trouble. Different situation. I'm not his dad. You know, I don't. It's a different situation. But I went up and it's, it flipped the light on, and leaned against the wall and just said, "What's up, dude?" And he uh, he said, "Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just." He's like sitting up out of bed. He's trying to go to sleep. Dog was on the floor, and uh, I said, "No, what's up? Why are you here?" So you never come. You never come to visit me like this. You don't even like. I had a show in Atlanta. You didn't even come to the show. What are you doing here? And what's because he was a dark, he was dark, and uh, he just loses it. Face gets red, starts bawling his eyes out, puts his hand like this, and explains how he almost shot himself, I guess, two or three nights before. And that point, I'm just, I'm just listening. And uh, he got the work from a lady here that I was seeing who was awesome. She like made it a point, okay, I need to see him every day. Started the work then. Um, that's been years ago. That was probably 2018, 19. And then fast forward, uh, to 2020 sometime. And he's at my house. He's doing much better. I'm like, okay, I got my friend back. He's Mm. back. And now he's doing even better. I saw him over Christmas. He's awesome, man. He just got engaged. Um, so, um, he's joking around the fire and, uh, he's like, man, bro, you should write a song about a guy driving around his truck with his dog. And I just laugh. I'm like, that's cliche, like the most cliche song you can almost write. Three days later, um, I text her, call him, and I was like, dude, I wrote it. It's not going to be what you're going to expect. Fast forward to the me writing Ben Seat, having the the uh, video movie idea in my head. Um, that was the moment I was like, okay, if I'm going to have a dog in this video, it's going to be my dog. Originally, it was going to be the puppy. It took us two years to piece together the video and make it right. So Jack's the middle dog in the video. But that's that's what sent me over the edge of like, all right, I'm getting a dog finally. And you put him on the back of the record to show what? Um, well, do- Cowboys and Dogs, for whatever reason, was the theme of this record, probably because I was addressing, you know, my dad, who's on the cover. Um, and then Jack was on the back. Jack, I-, I think I mentioned dog like four or five times in this record. I'll get off it on the next one, but that's where I'm at in life. I- this dog, he came into my life. I don't. I wouldn't say saved my life or anything, but he's made my life a lot better, and he's made me more capable of loving someone Bro, and, and being I mean, loved. Absolutely, did it for me. My dog did the same thing. Yeah, people think I'm crazy when I say that. Yeah, I and think when no. I said amen, I was just, I was just a re- visceral reaction to me going. Hey, I felt that. Yeah. Why do you think that about you? I don't. I don't like the. I don't like the idea of someone loving me, and I don't know why. I. I think I. I think it stems from my dad passing away, um, to where I haven't had that in 15 years now so i'm like ah i'm good plus you you put on this front like you're all tough plus you have fame start coming in the picture so you don't really know who to trust and i just don't like the idea it makes me uncomfortable so it's funny when i'm that tough guy putting on the act and then all of a sudden rolling around on the floor with jack and he has a thing about there's no judgment there's no there's no falseness to it it's just you and your dog rolling around on the floor and, and me like talking in a higher pitched voice that I'm used to, that I'll ever talk to anybody. So I think first it's allowed me to let myself be loved by something or someone. And then that can flip. I hopefully that, you know, allows me to flip it into loving somebody at some point. And oh. I'm not saying I don't love it. Like I love my mom. I love my brother. Yeah. yeah. I, I, right. But a, like a 
romantic trust, non-blood love that you don't right. that you have to work at. You have to work because your brother's gonna be your brother regardless. You right. may get into a fight, but he, he's always gonna be your brother. Yeah. You how old are you? Thirty-seven. Okay, so I didn't I didn't get married. Till I was thirty-nine. And never been engaged, was never in a serious relationship. And in my vows, what I said is, like, the hardest thing I have to do is learn to be loved. Be loved, yeah. Wow. And my dog, Dusty, who I had for 13 years, like, I would practice. Because I did, I loved that dog. I never told anybody I loved him my whole life. <laughs> I didn't say, I just didn't. I didn't know, I, I didn't. I didn't know how to. But that dog, yeah. I would tell him all the time. Like, I mean, it makes me emotional yeah. to think about it. I was just like, I would say, man, I love you, I love you. And it's the only, that, I wouldn't even, I couldn't even say love in recreating a situation that I didn't say it. We were yeah. talking about, and they'd be on the show, be like, well, what if you, there's, you met, how would you say it? I'd be like, oh, I can't. I live, yeah. That dog, like almost, like trained me to when it finally happened. Yeah. And it wasn't easy. Wow. But when it finally happened with my wife now, it was like, this feels different. I can't piss this away. I know I'm capable because I love that animal before he died. Yeah. So when you said that, I was like, dang, I, like I felt that more than anything yeah. Because that was a big part of my life. Yeah. It's a 13-year-old dog who I adopted from a puppy mill. And that <laughs> changed it. And that, that that changed it all. Are you, like, I mean, I'm assuming you want a family. Yeah, I do, for sure. Um, I'm in a place right now where I'm extremely lonely a lot. But I'm okay with it. It's not like I'm in this depressed state. I just, I'm living in it, man. And and, and I, I also understand that it, a dog isn't enough. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's 50 years old just with him and his dog. I But I've earned it. Like, I've earned the lonely. Uh, but, and I'm doing it on purpose for now because I just feel like that's what I need to do for myself. And also, I think it's going to take something that extreme to get me out of this place of, of – or get me into the place of wanting to really be with somebody, one person. Um, because I'll tell you one thing. I was thinking about – I think about this all the time, but, like, Going down the road of a lot of women, no matter how tough you can sound in front of your buddies and the ones that say don't ever get married and all this, it leads you to extreme depression. And I don't I don't know all the details of why, but it leads you to a very, very dark place. And and it leads you to a lot of sex with a zero intimacy. And then the more you do it, the more it leads you to just wanting to be alone. And it's a dark place to be. And there you have it, the top 10 Bobby cast of 2023. Next week, we're back with another, like, for real episode. But if there's anyone you'd like us to have on an upcoming Bobby cast, send us a DM on Instagram, at TheBobbyCast. We're also on TikTok, at TheBobbyCast. We upload full episodes to YouTube. Check us out there as well. Have a happy new year. We'll see you in 2024. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to a BobbyCast production. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles, if you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today.